Welcome back to Locust and Wild Honey, everybody. Father Dave, how are you? Doing good, doing good. How are you? I'm well. I did not get to go to your Mass this weekend, which, past weekend, um, but that's a significant, I don't want to say milestone in our relationship. <laughs> You're afraid, because, gang, I'm waiting for him. When I see him, he sits in the back, and he knows that I don't wear my glasses during Mass. Yeah. So he knows that I can't see, I can't make him out in the back of a church. I am waiting to call him out when I see him at Mass. And then rip the microphone away from him. I'm going to be the only one in the church with a rubber nose and glasses. <laughs> but this past Sunday was the, the rose vestments. The priest would wear rose vestments on this past Sunday in, in Lent. And <laughs> I was really curious how that went for you, because it, it conjures up um, a very distinct image in my mind from last year. And do you remember what happened last <laughs> yes, year? Yes, that was... That was great last okay. year. So the long story short, the the lockdown had just started, and you, if you've listened to previous podcasts, you have heard us talk about this. But it was a, it was really the very beginning of live streaming masses. So we had mm-hmm. we had two, we had our phone set up in two different places. One was on Instagram Live, and and I forget where the other one was going to. And this was an everyday occurrence. But this was right near the beginning because of the time of of when it happened. And Father Dave was wearing the rose vestments, which I had barely noticed because I had like this control center going on these early days, if you remember, because my phone was being used for, for the live stream itself. So I would sit with my MacBook and people at home would monitor it because there's no way I could tell that we were actually live or not. So right. in those beginning days, they were sending me messages and I would be on my MacBook while, while he was saying mass. And then it was a good excuse for me because if he got boring, I could like shop on Amazon or something. <laughs> he wouldn't know the difference. We, we were really flying by the seat of our pants. Absolutely. But guys, if you could see him behind the scenes, making sure that the phone was set up right, the two <laughs> phones were set up right, that his laptop was right, then he always, I don't understand, he always had the bells for Mass on the other side of the chapel. Because so, I was like the older boy, too. <laughs> so, like, inevitably, at a part of the Mass, he's climbing over things in the pew. It's true. And just just to make sure that he could ring the bells. He was a disaster behind the scenes. Yeah. You realize, like, two weeks before that, we were taking kids on retreat in Manhattan. And, like, two <laughs> weeks later, we're trying to figure out how to live stream Masses. <laughs> and now I never want to go in no. that chapel. <laughs> but anyway... On, on this particular Sunday, um, I, was, I had my MacBook in front of me, and I, and I get this message from our <laughs> communications director saying, OMG, they're fighting. And I didn't know what she meant. <laughs> and what she meant was I had left the comments. I mistakenly left the comments on an Instagram. And there were people having a fight using some not nice words about what the color of your vestments are. It's like, oh, during I think mass. they're during mass. During mass. It's like, oh, I think they're salmon. No, they're not salmon. It's like, <laughs> you can just picture the attitude in it. <laughs> and now for the rest of my life, when it comes to that weekend in, in, in Lent, I'm going to be thinking of Instagram and people saying, <laughs> people arguing over the color of vestments. I think the most important thing was missed, that Rose really brings out, you know, my tan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're they're very nice look investments. And if if this was a fashion thing, I would opt to suggest we should do it a little bit more. You know, like the third Sunday in in, in Advent always works, you know? Right, yeah. So I'm going to write to the Pope about that. We need to have a little bit more fashion (laughs) sense. There's too much green. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, though, that vestment is very important to me because my spiritual father, the priest that 
has helped me out tremendously in my life. He, as an ordination gift, had given me that vestment as a gift. Mm -hmm. He said that he had been given the same vestment from a priest that was very dear to him, a mentor to him. Uh, and he just said that every time you wear it, just please pray for me. Oh, that's nice. And uh, so every time I wear it, I, I and I've I've added on what I have on to it, but it's it's very dear. I, I every time I put it on, I, I pray for him. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Well, you have another year now to they can sit and, <laughs> and I mean, use I pray for him in between those two moments. <laughs> the only two times during the year we pray for him. <laughs> <laughs> that's all he asked for. But it Catholic minimalism. I, I just say it's pink. Uh, I just, I mean, I'm going to weigh in. Uh -huh. To me, it's pink. I, I don't see the difference between rose gold, rose, you know, pink, salmon. It doesn't, it's <laughs> all, why don't we just stick to the basic Crayola crayon like box, right? We, we, we can do that. That why would be fine. Why don't we do that? Yeah. I don't need to know what, that there are 17 different yellows in the spectrum. <laughs> right? I don't need to know that there are like 15 blues. Uh -huh. I just, Keep it basic. Okay. Let's just get that like that tiny box of crayons, right? When you that starter kit. Mm -hmm. Just the basics. That's just all you basics. want. Just the basics. That's all I need. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. He really and doesn't agree with me at all. We we hope you enjoyed this episode of Locusts and Wild Honey. We <laughs> discussed liturgical colors. As you as you all know, I failed art. <laughs> <laughs> so looking at the readings as we we come upon the the fifth Sunday of Lent. Um, the church, to start off, gives us Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, and has some, some interesting things to say about the covenant, and I say interesting as we would read them as Catholics. Mm. The idea now that the covenant is written on our heart as opposed to the two, the two stone tablets that he would have been referring to or had known from, from Moses and, and the Ark of the Covenant, what had been in Jewish tradition. Yeah. I love that line. And we hear this line in other places of the Old Testament from the, from other prophets, like especially the 36th chapter of Ezekiel. But this is the covenant that I will make mm -hmm. with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will place my law within them and write it upon their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. That, that heart part is struck me this time. I, I'm sure I've heard this in the past, but that written on the heart struck me. Yeah. You know, even if we want to get like all theological and talk about natural law, you know, that thing that's written on our heart on how to act, it even it even goes to there. And, and someday when I have nothing to do, I just want to like dive into theology and <laughs> do a little systematic theology, see if this all comes together. I get scared when I get text messages at about 10 to 10 at night. <laughs> That's me. That means his mind hasn't shut off. Yeah, it's <laughs> when I get a good night's sleep. It's not good for Father Dave. <laughs> but just when I was reading this through, the thought that came to mind is is one of my favorite documents. It was probably it, I had entered the the seminary in two thousand and six, and just kind of getting my academic feet under me again mm -hmm. after being away from kind of real serious academia since I graduated high school at that point. And I had come across uh, Deus Caritas Est, God is Love from Pope Benedict. And I devour that. Mm. I just, lo I, I love the way he writes. Yeah. He's so clear for me. He makes things sound so simple when you know that, that it's very deep and rich. And I just remember in that document how he says that Christianity is not, first and foremost, a set of religious principles. It is not, you know, uh, ethical choices or a philosophy or, you know, a theological practice. 
or a, or a, a moral guideline. First and foremost, Christianity is a relationship with a person, mm-hmm. the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and it's almost like Jeremiah is beginning to set that up. Yeah. You know, by talking about that mm-hmm. that relationship with the heart. I, I don't know, you know, how you're hearing this if we're talking about a papal encyclical like like the one you just mentioned. But if, if you've never tried one before, this would be the one to start with. Because, yeah. I mean, I, I, I felt the same way. Um, I was on a school trip. We were in Disney. Really? And, and I, I printed out and I read it. You can go to the Vatican's website, www.vatican.va, and, and see all the encyclicals. But it is absolutely beautiful and so clearly, um, so clearly written. I'm just kind of saying what you said a second ago. Yeah. And you, you kind of fall in love with it. I love it. He has such an unbelievable gift his, of historical knowledge, yeah. of biblical knowledge. Mm-hmm. What a brilliant, uh, you know, linguist. Yeah. And he, he just is able to synthesize greatly, like, how, what our understanding of God is. Mm-hmm. Then he breaks down our tradition in the Greek of, of love and the Hebrew terms of love. Yeah. And then he just brings it all together, and you sit there and you're like, I understand this. Yeah, I felt I felt similarly. They, they say the sign of real intelligence is when you make you can make others feel like they're the smartest person in the room, and that, that's yeah. what Benedict did. Oh, my you know, goodness. and I, yeah. I sometimes wonder. I, I think he got a, a bum rap sometimes on the, on the way the way yeah. he was and some of the things he was purported to have said. But what a beautiful man! And by all accounts, not to really have another conversation about Benedict, but what a nice man. People who said yeah. this. Genuinely nice man, yeah. but I would really recommend if you can take a look at that encyclical, and even if you're looking for some little extra to do in these, I think we're about the halfway point of Lent. Just take a look at it, even read a little bit of it. You will be happy. I will on the Locust and Wild Honey page on Facebook. I'll actually put a link to it, so if you could, you could yeah. find it there. But I, I think that quote from that document and from what Pope Benedict had said, I think is the most important thing. Yep. Is that Christianity is first and foremost a relationship with a person. Yeah. Before we break down any of and you guys you I know you've heard me say that a million times but at the end of the day that is the most important thing that relationship and then the moral principles of the church mm-hmm. and then the ethics and then the philosophy that the church has adopted and the theology then all of that falls into place but the foundation has to be that relationship and i think that's exactly what jeremiah is prophesying here yeah so moving to the the second reading which is paul's letter to the hebrews this is a short one the part that that i got confused and we were just discussing this a little bit before we started to record it it says jesus learned obedience from what he suffered and I thought this was a, a fascinating thing because it, it does need a little bit of clarification and, and digging deeper into it. So you just want to share what you found? Because I thought yeah. what you just found uh, made a whole bunch of sense. Yeah, gang, I, I mean, like, if you ever want to to just really dive into some of the scriptures and, and the depth of Christ the priest, Jesus the high priest, and if you want to understand the sacrament of holy orders— and the priesthood, read the book of Hebrews. It is just so theologically rich and, and, and fulfilling and inspiring with that message, especially the priest as a victim. When a man is ordained a priest, he is first and foremost a victim. He is a victim soul. He 
he lays down his life the way that Christ has laid down his life for us. And we see very much the victimhood of Christ as the high priest, as the, as the offering, the sacrificial offering for our salvation. But, but this one particular letter to the Hebrews that we hear on, will hear on Sunday, could raise your eyes, could raise your eyebrow, and, and kind of scratch your head because we understand that Jesus is a hundred percent human, a hundred percent divine. That there was no sin; that He was perfect, and yet we hear this reading. I'll I'll read the whole thing because it's very very short. In the days when Christ Jesus was in the flesh, when He was alive, He offered prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Some though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And and when he was made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Some though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. So the, the part that confused me there is because we believe he was without sin, the possibility read incorrectly could be that he wasn't obedient, and now he has learned obedience. Right, and, or, and then it says, and when he was made perfect, but mm-hmm. he, he was perfect. Mm-hmm. So really, what is, what is the author, you know, what is St. Paul really getting at here in Hebrews? I would like to quote to you what I have heard, because for me, sometimes hearing it a hundred times, I understand it, and it's very difficult for me to articulate it. And so I, I would like to read to you what I have come across. To that that line, son though he was, um, he had learned obedience from what he had suffered. And it it expresses a principle that was well known in the ancient world even among pagans, that there is a wisdom that can be gained in no other way than in the crucible of suffering. I think we would all agree with Mm -hmm. that. But the author of Hebrews, St. Paul, means more than just that. Uh, He means that as, as the eternal Son of God, that Jesus was sinless, um, and he could never have been disobedient. Yet, in his human nature, frail like ours in his humanity, he experienced how difficult and costly it can be to obey God. Obedience, like all virtue, comes to perfection only by being tested in difficult circumstances. Which he certainly was. Yes, and, and I, I like to, I, I think the thing that it always reminds me of is when I've, I've really reflected on, usually during Lent, I love to reflect on the, the stations of the cross. And when we go through the stations of the cross and, and we get to like Jesus being scourged or falling down, that at every moment, you know, when somebody threw a rock at him or spit at him or punched him, you know, or whipped him, that in his heart, you know, we know externally that there was no violence in return, you know, uh, no vengeance. But we also have to look at our hearts. We might not, uh, you know, exchange blow for blow, 
but we definitely hold a grudge or resentment or real anger towards another person who who harms or hurts us in a particular way and that could be that for us is the challenge in our life to let that go and yet every time our lord is encountered with a blow he initially just says father forgive them father forgive them i love them forgive them forgive them and in instead of holding on to anger and and real hatred and resentment in his in his heart that it was all turned into forgiveness and compassion and i think that is what we're getting from the book of hebrews that now he he is relating to us on an even more deeper level that that jesus got to when he took on flesh was was able to relate to us in on a human level but now with suffering he gets to relate to us on an even deeper level and uh, it's this is not so much well he was imperfect and this is going to make him perfect but rather there he goes through this suffering to experience what we experience and says and says to us now I know what you went mm-hmm. through and I want to help you through that and I mean I know I'm the only one who can help you through that let me teach you to forgive when you've been punched or or you know maligned or your name has been tarnished or you know somebody has harmed you so deeply that there's such a wound of anger and resentment you know he wants to help us let it go and forgive so that we could be set free and i think that's exactly what's going on here in this gospel and and continues to be in the second reading 2000 years later the um the the person who people turn to that have been through all those things that you just mentioned yeah you know um yeah. through that obedience um I, i'm so glad we stumbled upon that because i don't think i don't know about you you pre, you preach about these things and you've been doing that for your whole ordained life i've never had the opportunity to go through them as carefully as i've tried to in these conversations so things are jumping all out that i had never really seen before mm. even even just questions you yeah know, okay yeah. why why did he learn obedience and did that mean he yeah. had didn't didn't have obedience i had a moment and i know some of you have heard me share this story i had a moment when i was celebrating mass one time and there was somebody in the front pew who I had gone to high school with. And I had a really negative experience mm-hmm. with this person in high school. Um, there was one particular year that I don't remember any of the good that happened. Mm-hmm. I only remember the bad sure. that this person had really just just took the time to really just embarrass me, make mm-hmm. fun of me. And I thought I had moved on 20 years later. And just said, you know, I'm just going to, I'll let it go. I'm never going to see this person ever again. And I remember as I was preaching and I looked to the side of the church and this person was there and it's amazing. I think I was preaching about forgiveness and all of this rage came right to my heart and I turned my face to the other side of the church. And I, I remember having... It was the only time I really have ever been able to do two things at once. <laughs> I, I don't really know how well I was preaching that day because uh-huh. I'm a catch-22, right? And I don't know what I was actually saying, but I could tell you the conversation I had in my heart. 
I don't want to forgive. Sure. And I remember saying the Lord, the, I remember the Lord saying to me at that moment, let it go. And I said, I don't want to. Yeah. And he said, let it go. And when I turned around to that person's side with that, where that person was in the church, he, the Lord, it was only the Lord because my heart was filled with rage mm -hmm. and this complete melting of all of that came over me because I was able to see this person the way that our Lord sees this person. It's only a gift. And I'm not trying to say this, that I'm better than anybody because mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm telling you, I did not want to forgive that person. Yeah, But that's grace though. It's total grace. Yeah. And at that moment, I was able to look into that person's eyes mm -hmm. and see that they were searching for answers. Mm. You know, the answers to, to, to the, the, the gospel, to life, to their, to their own journey. And I felt the compassion of the Lord come over me, and I was able to let it go at that moment. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it was an instant, and it took me 20 years to forgive that person because yeah. I didn't even realize I had buried it so deep. Isn't uh, that amazing? But that's, that's where we're being perfected. Absolutely. And, and learning, it's a great example of learning obedience, too. Yeah. You know? And it, not to belabor this point too much, but that obedience was setting you free. In that, in that particular story you completely, told. Completely. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. It's I didn't not obedience to shackle you, it's to set you free. I didn't realize how bound yeah. to, to that, that pain I mm -hmm. was, you know? So moving to John's Gospel, right from the start, it has this really interesting line. Some Greeks had come to worship at the Passover feast. So why? Why are the mm. Greeks coming to the Passover feast? Interesting. That's right? that's that's a Jewish thing, you know, yeah. and a big Jewish thing. Then yeah. and now, right? Get invited to someone's seder. They. That's are, a very cool thing. The Greeks were the outsiders. Why would why would they go to this? And it wasn't even. It's not like they spoke Hebrew. There was a lot of people spoke both. You know, two languages there, and we have the the Gospels primarily written in Greek. So so that part I get. But why are they going to Passover? You know, yeah. what was it that drew them? Right. And, and for, for one, it's, they could have been converts to Judaism. Mm -hmm. True. Or they could have just been God-fearing people who yeah. might have heard our Lord speak or mm -hmm. had friends healed, and they wanted to have a deeper encounter. Yep. Um, but they just weren't, they weren't circumcised. They, yep. they weren't fully initiated into the Jewish practice. But they were still drawn. Yeah. And that's still the dynamic that happens today. When we're around people that are true followers of Jesus, we see the joy in their heart and we see the happiness in their heart. And there's something that draws, even though they don't know what, what draws them to it. We had a, um, an opportunity in November of 2019 to go, and we've mentioned this on previous podcasts, to an NCYC convention in Indiana. Uh, so it's like a little mini World Youth Day. And we have a student that requested to go with us. And she wasn't one of the wonderful young lady, but she wasn't one of the kids that was typically by our offices. So right. I think we were curious about what, what that dynamic was. And, as, and she was fully into it. Um, yeah. She had asked questions that, that definitely revealed that she was not someone that went to church, which was totally fine. I, would, I just appreciated the authentic, authenticity and genuineness of her, of her questions. Um, but there was something that drew her. 
you know, there was something that drew her to that weekend. Yeah. And it was an awesome weekend. Do you remember the, um, there were some other girls that, that came to us and said, uh, she wants to go for her first confession. Is it okay we take her? It's like, is it okay we take her? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I wanted to cry. Yeah. The, the weekend was a success right there. Absolutely. But, but, I, but I've often wondered um, what was it that she saw. And I don't mean in you and I. I think it was in the other girls that were on the trip. I agree. Uh, they, they, she saw something in them. said, I want to be like them. I want to be near them. I want to hang with them, yeah. which is so, so often the case. Yeah. Um, and, and we were talking about, in, in the first reading, the idea of this written on our hearts, not on the stone tablets. And, and, and we're getting now to the gospel, which is almost, almost evidence of this. Yeah, and I think that the beautiful parallel to what you were just saying about the girls there on that trip is exactly what we encounter with Philip here, is that these Greeks, these, these people who are either God-fearing or who have been touched in a particular way by the message that our Lord is presenting— they want to meet our Lord, but they go to Philip first. Something in Philip's presentation was enca- like engaging enough where they they were captivated. I read I read a commentary that was suggesting that could have been a Greek connection. There was something similar to, about they about Philip been. to them. It yeah. could have been. But you're right. There was something about it that they they went to him first. And Philip is this beautiful middleman mm-hmm. that then goes to Andrew. Yeah. And and the two of them go to our Lord mm-hmm. to bring these guys, these two people, to our Lord. And I and I think that, you know, when when we when we encounter the spirit of the Lord working in people, like you were saying, we we want it. Yeah. We, we want it, and and it's just a matter of kind of searching it out and, and, and having the courage to really ask, you know? And when you see it on a high school level, as we so often do, that takes even more courage, I believe anyway, because, right. Very you know, humbling. it really is. And it, it's not the, um, the cool thing to do. Right. And right. some kids say, I don't care. It's... Yeah. And, it, and even in a Catholic school. Yeah. You know, um, it's so that, that is, it's so beautifully, inc- it's just, it's just a beautiful reality that you see unfolding. Yep. Mm-hmm. The, the other line that got me in this gospel came near the end of the gospel, and it said, where is it right now? The vo- and then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd there heard it and said it was thunder, but others said an angel had spoken to him. And the part about that reading that got to me is you'll hear people say, why doesn't God make himself known in today's society as he did in the time of the Bible. <laughs> and I have two, two reactions that often are, number one, even in the time of the Bible, they didn't always get it. It's like, wait a minute, is that God's voice? Yeah. Oh, no, no, it's thunder. Oh, no, no, it's angels. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and like the Son of God's right before them, that we don't want to miss that, <laughs> yep. you know? So, um, so it's not, it wasn't always clear to them. And, and by virtue of the fact, they, they killed the Son of God. Not these people in this story, but ultimately the people right. at the time. Like, they didn't get it either. Right. I'm not sure I would have. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have. <laughs> I would have been like Peter. Um, but there's this line from Kings that I always, always love. And I don't want to read the whole thing, um, but it's, um, it, it finishes up. There, there had been a, um, um, a mighty wind, and there had been shattered rocks, and God was not in, and God wasn't in the rocks. And it says, after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a still, small voice. Yeah. You know, a still, small voice. That was where God was 
appearing and looking at that that person of that we're called to be in a relationship thinking back to pope benedict's quote that's usually how we respond it's it's that soft voice it's not the person shouting on the street corner you know repent or you will be you'll be damned to hell i I don't think that gets us very far (laughs) it's the conversations it's the something that someone hears someone sees um that reflects the the heart that jeremiah is talking about what is written on our hearts You know, because even the people in, in here in, um, in, in the gospel, they didn't understand it either. Yeah, and, and you know, like you, you were saying, getting back to the culture and not being able, they probably, we probably would not even understand, you know, if the Lord showed up right now. Um, oh, I would miss it. Yeah, and, and how even when it was happening right in front yeah. of them, it, it was still a mystery to them. Oh, absolutely. But I, I think to just kind of piggyback off of what you were saying, you know, I think that the the engaging look from the spirit when you look into somebody's eyes or mm-hmm. when you get to look into the eyes of the, our Lord in the Eucharist that look is is the thing that draws you in more and I know I've I sound like a broken record when I when I talk about it it's important though just go for it 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 really is and I think that's where we when we encounter you know in the first reading how Jesus, I mean, uh, in the in the in that the Father is talking about through the prophets, specifically in Jeremiah, that that there will be a different law, you know, that it'll mm-hmm. be a, you know that it'll be written on our hearts. But you know, you and I know that like when somebody loves us so beautifully and deeply, all they have to do is look at us. Sure. And and I think that that is exactly what is going to be written in our hearts it, it, that was that was prefigured and then we get to you know the gospel and how philip had been entranced by that look you know that encounter and and andrew and and now other people are encountering it in philip and andrew and they want to see jesus they want to mm-hmm. be able to converse with him they 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 want to be in his presence um and when you and i it's no different than it was 2000 years ago that yep. the the spirit that is written you know the the law that is written in our hearts mm-hmm. is that penetrating look of love mm-hmm. you know like we said christianity like the pope benedict said christianity is not you know a set of principles first of all different kind it is a relationship with a person. And th- I think the last thing I want to say today is an active relationship. When you were talking about the before, I was thinking of the Eucharist. Like we're called to that active participation yeah. in that Eucharist, that, that same Jesus that we see in the altar adora- in adoration or, or you know, um, experience in communion is the same one we're talking about in these readings, the same one from 2,000 years ago. And so that, that's an active uh, call to develop that relationship, not a memory of a relationship, not a thought of, oh, this was a guy that lived 2,000 years ago, and I'm going to be in relationship with a memory. It's an active relationship. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys. I think we're done. We made it through one more week. I actually showered before this, uh, before this recording. So. Yeah, it was a lot easier for me, and we all <laughs> appreciate that. <laughs> Have a great week, guys, and we'll see you next time. Take care. If you would like to contact Father Dave or me, 
Please follow us on Facebook at Locusts and Wild Honey. We appreciate your comments on all platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Please tell us what you think and share with your friends.